he say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you for this time that we have the fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord, that we can depend on your word. You said in your word that you have magnified your word even above your name. Thank you, Father, for your word. That it will guide us through tough times. It will lead us into green pastures. And it will help us obtain the promises of God for our lives. And so uh, as we study the word this morning, I thank you for the Holy Spirit just reaching in the depths of each person's heart who's listening. That no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. And as I have decreased, I thank you for that anointing to feed, feed each person in this room. And we declare that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a new series entitled True Answers in Troubled Times. Say this with me. Say True Answers in Troubled Times. And the purpose of this series is to help each believer lift their faith, answer tough questions about life, and provide overcoming solutions for any difficult situation you may be facing. Last week we talked about temptations, trials, and tests. And our lesson today is entitled, The Eye of the Storm. I want you to write that down, The Eye of the Storm. And the goal of today's message is to show us how we can be protected throughout every trial in life and that we can stand at the end as winners in the winner circle if we, if we uh, continue to endure. The Bible says, uh, and, and this is where most people drop the ball, I believe. It says, if you endure, everybody say endure. If we endure, it says, if you endure. And most people don't endure. And so I want to read an article before I get in my lesson this morning. I did some research on uh, hurricanes. Now, you know, I know we've had a few hurricanes here in the States. But, you know, here in Texas, other than Katrina, was Katrina in Texas? Yeah. Okay, it was, it was close enough. It was a Texas affiliate. How's that? Well... I've never been in a hurricane, but there's one thing that I learned about it is that there in the midst of that high wind, there is in the middle of that hurricane an eye. And I'm going to read here what it says. It says, at the center of a fierce tropical storm, there is a small area where the weather is calm, the sky is clear, and the winds are just light breezes. 
Another, another study says the skies are often clear above the eye and winds are relatively light. It is actually the calmest section of any hurricane. The eye is so calm because the now strong surface winds that converge toward the center never reaches it. In other words, you can be in the eye of a hurricane and it never touches you at all. And I believe that's how God wants us to walk through trouble and trials in life. He wants us to walk out and, and, and in the midst of all this going on around us, we're in the center of the eye. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Every storm in life, whether it is self-imposed or imposed by others, is a test of our faith. I'm going to say that again. Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Every storm in life, whether it's self-imposed or imposed by others, it's all a test of our faith. In Luke chapter 8, I thought this was interesting. Look in verse 23. Uh, It says here. Now, I'm going to start in verse 22. Now, it came to pass on a certain day that he, Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples. And he said to them, read this with me. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Now, what was Jesus' purpose? Huh? His purpose was not to sink. His purpose was not to not get on the other side. Whatever Jesus says is going to happen. They should have known that by now. He said, we're going on the other side of the lake. But then watch what happened. And they launched forth. You started that business. God told you to. You got out there. And then a storm broke out. Amen. You changed jobs. And it wasn't like you thought it was. But you don't know that in the midst of the storm, God is still there. Look in verse 23. It says, but as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind, almost like what we, what we had this week, all that rain we had this week. It says, a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Verse 24. And they came to him, and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. But here's the part I want you to see. And he said unto them, read it with me. Where is your faith? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the storm you in is a test of your faith. Now, see, here's the problem with us. We don't see it as a test of our faith. We see it as a test of our flesh. See, when a test, when you see it through the eyes of your flesh. You will fight through the test the whole way and miss the lesson. Amen. Now, in John 16, 33, you can just write it down. Jesus made us a promise. Now, some of these promises Jesus make, I don't like. I mean, I don't like it. But this one, he he promised us. He says, in this world, you shall have tribulation. I don't like that promise. But then at least he gave us some encouragement in in the latter part of that verse. He says, but be a good cheer because I've overcome the world. 
So trials are inevitable, but how we handle them determines whether we win or lose. I'm going to say that again. Trials, tests, temptations are inevitable, but how we handle them determines whether we win or lose. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That was the verse that we started with last week. 1 Corinthians 10, it is the foundational verse for our teaching series here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Most believers lose the battle because they don't have the right perspective when it comes through when it comes to tests and trials. We should all have a I'm gonna win no matter what attitude whatever we face. Whatever we face, I'm gonna win. You cut my job, I'm still gonna win. You cut my pay, I'm still gonna win. My husband leave, I'm still gonna win. My wife left, I'm still going to win. See, you have to have enough self-confidence in God's word. If your husband leaves you, he's the one that lost. If your wife just decides she wants to just book up and leave, she's the one that lost. Now, I don't advocate divorce at all. Because we've been married 16 years. We believe in marriage. But some of you all are going, you know, you're putting up with stuff that you shouldn't be putting up with. You, you've watched this man cheat five times. I'm talking to somebody right now. You, you, you know he, it's, he, he don't even hide it no more. He just come in anytime he want to. No, you ain't going to come in my house anytime you want to. Either the police going to be there when you get there or the locks going to be changed. One of the two. If I have to pick my house up and move to a different area and you show up and ain't nothing but concrete down there, you're going, what, what my house at? Ain't your house no more. Amen. But see, if you don't know, if you don't trust God, see, some of y'all don't trust, even with your kids, you don't trust God enough to let them go. Some of you all's kids are disrespecting you too much, but you're scared to let them go. If there are no consequences for negative behavior, they'll continue to do the same thing. Oh, old school, they to put you out. Come on now, how many old school, I mean old, you put you out. And don't have the nerve to ask for your clothes. No, 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 you didn't buy those clothes. <laughs> we bought those clothes. First Corinthians 10, are you there? All right. I'm going to read it out of the... Well, let me read it in the regular translation, then I'll read it out of the Amplified. It says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. What, what is God? Amen. He is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will, with every temptation... Also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, I'm going to read it again in the Amplified. It says, for no temptation, no trial regarding an enticing to sin, 
no matter how it comes or where it leads, has taken or overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man, that is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience as such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the, with the temptation, he will always provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. There is nothing in your life that you can't handle because if you couldn't handle it, God wouldn't let it happen. And that's the attitude you have to have with when something comes up in your life. You got to have an attitude you done lost before you started temptation. See, when you have a winner's mentality, you don't take no for an answer. Amen. Now go to 1 John 5. Go to 1 John 5. And then I'm going to dive into the meat of what I want to talk about. 1 John 5. Last week I told you there were two types of victories that we experience. Two types of victories. In 1 John chapter 5, look in verse 4. It says, for whatsoever, that should be translated for whosoever. For whosoever is born of God overcomes the what class? So just by means of position, I'm an overcomer. So there are two types of victories. You have positional victory, which we just read about. But then the verse goes on to say, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So now that's not positional victory there. That's purposeful victory. Now, positional victory is automatic once you come into Jesus Christ. But purposeful victory must be activated. I'm going to say it again. Positional victory is automatic. Once you come into Christ, you have a position in him. And the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens us. So guess what? You have the strength. You have the ability. You have the endurance. You have all the fruit of the spirit to make it through anything. But then here's the question I ask most believers. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But will you? Here's the second thing is purposeful victory. That must be activated. And there are two things that will help you activate purposeful victory. You can write this down. Number one is faith. And then number two is fellowship. What was the first one? And what was the second one? All right. Look at 1 John 5, 4. And then, uh, I mean, 1 John, go down to chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, watch verse 3. It says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with who? It didn't say fellowship with yourself. And I'm going to show you some things that the adversary uses when we go through temptations and trials. He says that your fellowship is with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Look in verse 7. Well, let's keep, keep reading verse 5. 
This then is the message which we've heard and declare unto you that God is what? Light and in him is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with who? One another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I want you to see a synonym. Now, does synonym mean the same thing? Okay, here's a synonym here. Light and fellowship are synonyms to be the same. You cannot say you're in fellowship with God and walk in darkness. Nor can you say you're in fellowship with God and not in fellowship with man. You with me on that? So I want you to write down, here's some tools to me that the enemy uses during difficult times. Number one, he uses isolation. The first thing the devil wants you to do when you're going through something is to isolate yourself. And the reason he wants you to isolate yourself, and let me show you how it works. You know, the devil in the Bible uh, is, is viewed as a wolf. Now, Back in the day when they had sheep, the, the reason why the shepherd, if one sheep got away, the reason he would leave the 99 and go get the one, because, see, wolves were prone to go after the isolated one. He never attacked a pack. So what the devil does when we're going through something, the first thing he wants you to do is go by yourself, go hide, don't answer the phone, don't go to church, just just. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. And then after isolation, if he can't make that work on you, he uses intimidation. That's where he starts messing with your head about what God is not going to do. I am amazed at how the devil lies so much of what God can't do. Now, if you and I were smart enough, the Bible says... He's not only a liar, the Bible says he is the father of lies. So if you hear a voice in your head when you're going through a difficult situation that says you're not going to make it, that is the father of lies talking. Just reverse it and that's God talking to you. Amen. So he uses intimidation. Well, what if God don't, what if it don't happen? And what if God don't do this? And what if this don't happen? And what if God don't do that? Well, see, you got to silence that intimidation. And then if he can't use intimidation, he uses frustration. I've seen so many believers standing in faith and get frustrated. My pastor, uh, Dr. Ivy, Bishop Ivy Higgett out of Houston, he told this story years ago. Years, everybody say years ago. Years ago, he was believing God for a bus. And God spoke to him and told him, to go to a specific bank and ask for the president of that bank. So he walked into that bank and he asked for the president of that bank and the president was on vacation. And he was like, Lord, now I know you told me to come in here and ask for the president. But they said, oh, but there's someone acting in his stead. You can see him. So he goes in and sits down with the guy and told the guy about, you know, the bus ministry that they had and he needed a new bus. And the the guy he was meeting with just happened to be the bus captain of his church. And the guy was so excited. So they just started talking about bus ministry. And so the guy just said, listen, just go find the bus. 
Go find it and come back and we'll get it for you. Didn't check credit, didn't do nothing. So my pastor went out, he looked and found one. And when he got it, the Lord told him that wasn't it. So he let it go. Then he got a call from a man in Buda, Texas. Have anybody heard of Buda, Texas? Oh, is that many? Oh, I. He got a call from a man in Buda, Texas. And this man said, Dr. Hilliard, I know you want a bus. If you will buy my bus, I will paint it, put the name of the church on there, and then give, give you a second bus for free. Two for one. That sounds like God, don't it? The man over the telephone gave the man drafting instructions to purchase the bus. Didn't check the church credit, the personal credit, nothing. They got the bus. Then after they got the bus for a while, the church ran into some hard times. And so he got late one month and then two months and then he caught up. And then he got late one month and then two months he caught up again. And then one time he was only behind by one month. And he was so frustrated. Now, 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 now note, he had already been behind two and three times, you know, once before. But he was only behind one month. And he just said, you know what? Just take the bus. I don't care. Uh-oh. Frustration kicked in. He got up that morning, went to the church as usual. The bus was gone. Well, you're right. Somebody stole that bus. He showed up and the bus was missing. So he called one of the guys that work on the bus and said, hey, do you have a bus? He said, no, I don't have a bus, Pastor. So he called another guy to do stuff on the bus. Do you have a bus? No, I don't have a bus either. Then he gets a phone call. One of his frenemies. Come on now, we all got him. Just in case you don't know what a frenemy is, that's a person who's an enemy that acts like they're your friend. Well, he got a call from one of his frenemies. Hey, Doc, I see your bus over here in the repo lot. The bus had got repoed by the bank because his frustration released the faith. God gave them the bus. But through frustration, he let it go because he got upset. I wonder how many things in your life you have let go that God gave you that you got frustrated about. Amen. I I am not going to finish my lesson. I see that already. Okay. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Go to Proverbs 10. Are y'all getting something anyway? Uh, There's there's, something has hit me. There is a boldness on me right now that I know I can say stuff and it happens. I'm telling you, I'm not my good stuff. I ain't, I ain't talking about trying to, you know, I wish your mama turned into a turtle. Not, not, nothing like that. You know, not that kind of stuff. No. That, that, that's, that's that spooky stuff. Man. I'm talking about good stuff. Proverbs chapter 10, look in verse 24. I want you to write this down. The stronger we are spiritually and the closer we are to God through our fellowship, the least effect the storm will have on our life. I'm going to say that again. The stronger we are spiritually and the closer we are to God through fellowship, the least effect 
the storm will have in our life. In Proverbs chapter 10, are you there? Look in verse 24. It says, is that what I want? It's not what I want. Uh, 21. Go to 21. That ain't what I want either. Let me see if it's 25. Let's see here. Okay, I'm going to tell you what the verse say. It says, if you faint during the time of adversity, where is that at? Is that in Proverbs 10? Y'all don't know where it is? Okay, go home. That's your homework. Because it's in here somewhere. It says that if you faint during the time of adversity, your strength is small. That means that when I'm going through a difficult time, if I faint, and the word faint there uh, in the Bible, in that scripture, in the, in the Hebrew, it means to be overwhelmed, to become feeble. Watch this now, to let go. Where is it? 25 what? 24.18. Thank you, sweetie. 10.14. All right. 2410? That sounds like a bus route, don't it? 2410. I'm catching the 2410. Okay, go to go to the screens, all right? <laughs> the visitor probably saying, does he know what he's doing? <laughs> okay. Let's read it together. Now, well, you know what? Let's take out the King James and put you, okay? Don't say thou, because you're going to sound like you back in the 1814s, all right? If, come on, let's read together. If you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now, the word faint, or the word, you see the word faint there? It means, I'm writing it down, to become feeble, to be still, to become slothful, and here's the one that got me, to let go. I'm, I wonder how many of us have let go of some things because we did not have the spiritual strength to hold on during the difficult time. Now, the word adversity there, you might as well write this, write this down too. It means trouble, tribulation, or distress. So really what that verse is saying, it says... If you faint or if you become feeble and let go during the time of trouble and tribulation, your strength is small. Amen. Uh, go, go, to, go to Matthew 26 very quickly. Go to Matthew 26. Go to Matthew 26. I got a couple of more minutes here. I'm going to show you something. Matthew 26. Let me, let me show you where we quit. Jesus said, the spirit is willing... But the flesh is weak. So that gives us insight into fainting. Because you can only faint if you're walking in the flesh. Okay, look at Matthew 26. Are you there? Look in verse uh, 41. Matthew 26, 41. Watch what it says. He says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Stop right there. Here's the deal. Some of us are experiencing temptation because we ain't praying. Did you read what he just said? 
He says, pray that you enter not into temptation, which means that there are some temptations that I fall into just because I wasn't prayed up. You know, when I, when I meet people uh, who are in relationships that are non-married, one of the questions I ask them when they're having trouble, because, you know, I only get them when they're having trouble. I ask them, here's the question I ask them, how did you meet this person? And then I, and then I ask them, where did you meet this person? That helps too. But then I ask them this very, very powerful question. What spiritual condition was your life in when you met them? Because if your spiritual life was low, you were probably making flesh-driven decisions. Now, the scripture says, if we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. Jesus said here, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is what class? The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak, which tells me the only way to endure during difficult times is to stay in the spirit. Then you say, well, pastor, what does that mean to stay in the spirit? Go to Galatians chapter, go to Galatians 6, 9. Go to Galatians 6, 9. And we'll stop right here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. What does it mean to, to be in the spirit? That means that you're walking in a renewed mind like the Bible just like what the Bible says is, is how you think. See, I don't give my mind alternatives of failing. See, sometimes we, we sit around thinking about options of how we're not going to make it. I mean, I can see some of y'all planning. Well, if this don't happen, then I'll just do this and I'll do this. And then there's nothing wrong with a, uh, an A and B plan, but some of y'all ain't got a God plan. In Ephesians, uh, Galatians chapter 6, look in verse 9. It says, and let us not be weary in doing well. Why? What kind of season? What kind of season? He says, in due season, you are going to reap if you faint not. That tells me. That there's a prize on the other side. If I can endure. See, enduring just says, I'm going to stand on what God says no matter what. When the doctors were looking at my, my, my wife was there. We, uh, by the way, I'm 45. If you're visiting, we have a one-year-old. Don't do that, but we do have a one-year-old. <laughs> I mean, we did it on purpose, but I'm just saying don't do it on purpose if you don't want to do it on purpose. Uh, but, but, you know, we got a one-year-old. But they told me in my face, by the straighter faces they could have, I'm going to be the doctor. Mr. Connor, you should consider adoption. And I'm just looking back at him like he's looking at me. Uh, Mr. Connor... You really don't have the proper sperm count that a normal man should have to have a baby. Well, how many do I have, doctor? <laughs> I mean, we talking, we might as well talk about it, right? Well, the average man has 20 million. You only have 2 million. I said, well, at least I'm a tither. <laughs> That's I, I'm a tither, hey. 
But while he's talking, I'm not listening to what he's saying. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, how many sperm does it take to make a baby? Only one. You mean to tell me God can't take one out of two million? The devil is a liar. And that's the kind of confidence you got to have when it comes to God. You got to stay. And, and we stood on the word. The Bible said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe, you receive them, and you shall have them. And so every time my wife went in and got her little blood count, it didn't matter what they said to me. What matters is what he said to me. I got to stop this morning. I don't have no more time. Did y'all get something out of this morning's lesson? Man, I really wanted to get to my story. I had a story for you. I'll continue that next week. Huh? How many want me to just stop right now? How many want me to stop? Oh, they... Okay, okay, I'll tell you what. Have y'all stopped the CD already? No? Okay, let's, let's go to Daniel real quick, chapter 6. Go to Daniel. Daniel 6. Go to Daniel 6. Daniel 6. God, let me tell you what, what the Lord told me when I was walking out of the house. I had to stop. That's, this is part. Now, he's not the reason I'm late, but he, you know, he did help me be late. This is what the Lord told me when I was walking out of the house. I had to stop and write it down. Problems are temporary circumstances waiting to be changed by our faith. Problems are temporary circumstances waiting to be changed by our faith. In Daniel chapter 6, what an interesting story. We all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got, you know, in the, in the fiery furnace. And uh, what most people don't see in verse 3 of chapter 6, it says, And Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because he had an excellent spirit in him. And the king thought to set him above or over the whole realm. Then the president and the princess sought to find, watch this now, because see, haters ain't new. We got haters right here in the book of Daniel. Daniel had some favor on his life, and because he did, the king put him in a high position. Well, you can't be in a high position and, not, and people not shoot at you. Look in verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find an occasion against Daniel. But they could not find one occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. But then what happened? They found something against him and it was his prayer life. If you look now in verse, uh, verse 7, they went to the king, and I'm going to summarize it because I don't have the time, but they went to the king and they said, King, you know what? We love you so much. Why don't you sign a decree that says, can't nobody pray to nobody but you and your statue? Look in verse, uh, verse 6. It said, then the president, they assembled together to, together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdoms and the governors and the princes and the councils and the captains, we've all consulted together to establish a royal statue. And to make a firm decree that whoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days. What kind of stupid law is that? 
If you ask any petition of any God or man, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And that king signed that decree because they knew Daniel prayed every day. Watch this, and then we'll, we'll close right here. If you jump down now to verse uh, 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Daniel did not allow the external circumstances to govern his internal beliefs. Then it says in verse 12, they spoke to the king and the king was actually upset about it, but he had to do what he said and he threw him in the lion's den. But what's the point of the story? Here's the point. Daniel had fellowship with God enough to know that regardless of wherever I am, the scriptures even says many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God's going to deliver me. I don't know how he's going to deliver me. I don't know the way he's going to deliver me. And you don't need to know all that. You just need to know that he's going to do it. And they threw him in that lion's den. And the Bible says that God shut the lion's mouth. But what was interesting is that when they took him out and they threw the men in, the lions had a, man, they had a good meal from, from the men that threw him in there. So what's my point? My point is this. There are times in life that you just got to stand. We might have been made to bend, but we were not made to break. And some of y'all, I see you just like this. Just hang on. Salvation is near. God is saying to you right now, he says, I'm not done yet. If you will trust him through the tribulation. Tribulations and problems are temporary. But if you will hold on to your faith, you will see God come through at the end. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Let me say this to you. There's going to come a day, the Bible says, there is a point unto man once to die, and then after that is the judgment.